from Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. A woman that I describe as tough, smart, and funny. Her name, Elizabeth Horst. She's the Charge d'Affaires at the U.S. Embassy in Tallinn, Estonia. And she's got a great story to tell. As the Charge, I am in charge of the running of the embassy. I spend a good portion of the day working on the policy that we work on with the Estonians. And our primary goals here are um, security, economic development, and people-to-people relationships. And she's had plenty of experiences in people-to-people relationships in some of the toughest postings in the world, including Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Moscow. We'll hear from her about her work, and we'll hear more about the U.S. relationship with Estonia. Coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. Elizabeth Horst is the Charge d'Affaires at the U.S. Embassy in Tallinn, Estonia. She's also a career Foreign Service officer, and I might add, one of the toughest, funniest, and, and most intelligent that I've had the chance to meet. While in Estonia recently, I got a chance to sit down with her, but I want to tell you just a little bit about her background beforehand. She's worked for international media engagement in the Bureau of Public Affairs, where she spearheaded the relaunch of the State Department's flagship Russian language account on Twitter and Facebook. She was deputy economic counselor in Kiev, Ukraine, where she managed a team focused on economic reform. And previously, she served in Kalat, Zabul province in Afghanistan. She also served in Pakistan and in Moscow. None of those places is a walk in the park. So when she came here to Tallinn, Estonia, she brought some serious skills with her. Now for our conversation. Can you tell me what your responsibilities are in this position? So as the charge, I am in charge of the running of the embassy. Charge is a title that you use when there's not currently a sitting ambassador. When we have a sitting ambassador, I'm the deputy chief of mission. And I serve essentially as the executive officer that oversees the uh, policy and management of the mission. Mm-hmm. So um, what are some of the things that you do on a daily basis? So if I had to divide my day um, into segments, I spend a good portion of the day working on the policy that we work on with the Estonians. And our primary goals here are um, security, economic development, and people-to-people relationships. I also spend a significant part of my day uh, managing the embassy, so working with people throughout the embassy, working with the different section heads to talk to them about what their priorities are and how that's all moving on our mission goals. How would you describe your relationship, the U.S.'s relationship with Estonia? The U.S. enjoys an outstanding relationship with Estonia. Um, In my 19 years in the State Department, there have been few countries where we've enjoyed such a deep partnership across so many sectors. Estonia is known as 
the world's most technologically advanced country. And um, I was told by a number of people that hundreds or maybe like 100 official delegations come here every year just to talk to them about how they do their, their, their cyber, you know, their online elections. The and governance Academy. Yeah. So Estonia was very smart. And um, in the early days of its independence, it realized that while it might not have a lot of resources, it could go digital quickly, which would be both a money-saving measure and also a way to combat corruption. And so bit by bit, program by program, they introduced a lot of digital services. And as a result, they've built up a lot of expertise that they have now consolidated into a couple of different sectors. One of them is their e-governance academy, and that's a place that a lot of delegations from around the world come to see how Estonia has done it. Mm-hmm. How have they managed to digitize healthcare? How have they managed to digitize taxes? Um, Estonians will tell you it takes them about three minutes to file their taxes on their phones. Mm. And they laugh when I tell them how long it takes me to gather my documents in order to file my taxes. Estonia has faced some serious issues with some of its neighbors, at least one of its neighbors, and the U.S. has issues as well. But Estonia and the U.S. in this great partnership that it's in have found a way to make progress on all the issues that are important to the two countries working together um, from military to, to uh, diplomatic relations. And um, one of the ways that I understand that both countries are benefiting uh, is the military cooperation. And the Maryland National Guard, in addition to NATO and all of the other components of the U.S. military, uh, have been instrumental. Can you give me your view on why this is important and how it works? Sure. So let me say that the United States and Estonia, as you mentioned, are both NATO allies. So within the alliance, we work together on our collective transatlantic security. And I think sometimes for Americans, that seems like a very abstract concept. But here in Estonia, it's very real because this is the eastern frontier of NATO. And there are threats that are across the border. The Maryland National Guard has played an exceptional role in our bilateral cooperation because in addition to doing things bilaterally through the Army or the Navy or the Air Force or through NATO, the Maryland National Guard, through its state partnership program, provides an extra element of partnership, of cooperation, and it's enduring because the same Guard members will come back year after year. And so they establish these long-standing relationships that go far beyond, for example, the three years that I'm in Estonia. Mm-hmm. Could you give me a, a sense of, of, of how you help facilitate that, um, you participate in the process of making sure that, um, you know, this relationship continues militarily and diplomatically as well? I'm trying to figure out... Um, some way to get you to expound a little bit on um, so it's not just a military training thing that the National Guard does when they come here and it's not just them training folks here they learn things too so give me your view on how this two-way street works so the state partnership program with the Maryland National Guard is a way that Estonia and Maryland are able to connect across military sectors, beyond just an occasional exercise to planned exercises, planned exchanges, planned trainings that go from year to year. So a team, for example, from Estonia that might go to Maryland for an exercise 
might go back the next year and the following year. And that gives this continuity that is unusual um, outside of the state partnership program. There's an additional element to the connection between Estonia and Maryland, and that's the sister city program. And now there are 11 sister city pairs. This started in 2009 when Governor O'Malley signed an agreement with an Estonian official that started the program. And that has taken the state partnership program, which was primarily military through the Maryland National Guard, and expanded it to cultural, educational um, economic ties. We had the uh, deputy governor of Maryland here about a year and a half ago looking at how we could expand economic ties. And so this Maryland National Guard state partnership has led to all sorts of other things and personal ties also. Mm-hmm. A number of the Maryland National Guard folks that come here have learned Estonian over the years. And it's actually impressive. Mm-hmm. And it it shows that this is more than just a unit training with another unit. It's people meeting people and the common goal is actually our transatlantic values and this larger security cooperation that is NATO. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about what you do and how you do what you do. So give me a sense of what your day is like. How does it start and how does it end or does it? So a typical day for me right now might be like today. Uh, I came in, got a briefing from my staff on what the top headlines were and what the immediate meetings and across the embassy were going to be. Then I headed to the SICON conference, which I believe you were at, which was an international conference sponsored by NATO's CCDCOE, um, which is the Cooperative Cyber Defense Center of Excellence. Mm-hmm. It's a mouthful. Yeah. I attended that. I went from there to a meeting that I hosted with Ministry of Defense officials to talk about their most recent visit to the United States and how our roadmap might continue for bilateral cooperation. Then I came back, signed some memos, approved some vouchers, answered some emails. I went to a school board meeting where I helped uh, steer the last meeting of the international school, which is essential to the functioning of the embassy because we have a lot of embassy children there. Came back here, caught up on headlines in the United States, and then came to this meeting with you. So, when does it end? I mean, um, is it is there a standard for you, or do you just do what you got to do? So, one of the joys of being a diplomat is we love what we do. So, it there is no no beginning and end. There are tasks that need to be done. There are missions that need to be accomplished, and we get them done. That doesn't mean it's all work. Um, but it does mean managing the priorities and adjusting your work tempo to when there's a lot going on, you work a little bit harder. When there's a little less going on, you work a little less harder. What are the main challenges for you? What are the things that are most most challenging for you at this point? Probably the most challenging is just having enough hours in the day. It's It's the balance that most people have in any job. What's urgent but not important, what's important but non-urgent, and making sure I carve out enough time to the fundamentals of our bilateral relationship and to the fundamentals of managing an embassy so that everyone has the time and the guidance that they need to do their jobs well. Mm -hmm. If I'm doing my job well, that means that everyone else is doing their jobs well and just need to come to me for questions. Um, Give us a sense of what security cooperation means then. Sure. So security cooperation can take place on a number of different levels. We have bilateral security cooperation with the Estonians that is just between the United States and Estonia. 
A big part of our security cooperation is also within the framework of NATO and within the framework of the alliance. And so that's many NATO nations working together, either in Estonia or Estonia and the United States going to other places to exercise. And then there's the bilateral cooperation that we have with the Maryland National Guard and its state partnership with the Estonians. And this can vary in a number of different ways. And in the past year, there were over 26 different engagements that the Maryland National Guard had with the Estonians. And that ranged from, you know, small teams of three to five coming over for meetings to plan exercises to a group of 26 coming here to do an exercise. Uh, the Maryland National Guard took took part in Estonia's uh, exercise Locked Shields, which is a cyber exercise, which they took place in remotely. In past years, they've come over with aircraft, and in fact, the biggest overseas deployment of the Maryland National Guard, I believe, was for a military exercise in Estonia here uh, two years ago, where they brought aircraft and they brought a cyber component to it as well. And um, one of the things I also remember working with the Maryland National Guard was my first week here, I went out to visit a kindergarten where some of the guard had built a fence around it in order to keep it a little bit safer and a little bit cleaner. So the range of activities is really diverse, but it all goes back to what I had mentioned before, building this partnership uh, that goes beyond just taking place in one exercise somewhere one time, but an ongoing investment both in Estonia and then the reverse is what the Estonians teach the Maryland National Guard about their understanding of, of warfare, of cyber, mm -hmm. and other issues. Okay. So uh, I'll conclude by asking you um, how has this posting benefited you? How has this stacked up against the rest of your career? Uh, and how has uh, just, just uh, you know, what are you getting out of this, and how is it helping you for your next chapter? So I've been really spoiled living and working in Estonia, and I'll be honest, um, because it's this perfect combination of a really nice place to live. Tallinn is an extraordinarily nice city. Work that is important to the United States security interests and national interests, and working with a partner government that is really exceptional, that is a true partner in every sense of the words, where we work together as equals on a lot of issues, where we share many of the same interests and values. So I feel like having that perfect trifecta has made this an extraordinarily interesting assignment for me. It's been a privilege to work on security issues that benefit the United States. Right now we're also looking at expanding the economic cooperation um, so that, again, we can benefit the prosperity of both the Estonians and the Americans. Um, and it's just really been a privilege to be here. I'm also, on a personal note, a big hiker. Hmm. And it's hard to beat the Estonian forests and shorelines for great recreation. That was Elizabeth Horst, the Chargé d'Affaires at the U.S. Embassy in Tallinn, Estonia. And now, for a little more detail on Estonia. Estonia is a magnificent country. It's the 132nd largest country on the planet, which means it's small. Only a little bit bigger than the U.S. state of Maryland. And by the way, there is a really interesting connection between the two. Not just historically, but there's also, as Elizabeth Horst mentioned, a partnership. First, that historical part. Absolutely, and um, you know, that uh, story goes back several centuries. That's Estonia's ambassador to the U.S., Jonathan Vesevyov. 
It was back in the uh, late 12th, early 13th century when uh, Estonia was uh, not yet Christianized. We mm-hmm. were uh, pagans, the lost part of Europe that uh, was yet to be Christianized. When um, uh, the Pope back then started what was known as the Northern, we were finally Christianized by the early 13th century. And once that happened, the Pope declared Estonia, nowadays contemporary Estonia, to be, um, uh, in Latin, they called us the Terra Mariana, which means the land of Mary, mm-hmm. in making reference to Virgin Mary, of course. So ever since then, uh, we've been sometimes called Terra Mariana, land of Mary. Uh, nowadays, uh, the president of Estonia, when uh, she awards uh, uh, decorations, then for foreigners, the highest decoration we can award, the president can award, is called the Cross of Terra Mariana, so the Cross of Maryland. In the beginning of uh, 20th century, um, Estonians uh, emigrated into the United States and we founded a, a relatively significant, by our uh, standards, community in around Baltimore. Uh, we had a very vibrant um, cultural society in the state of Maryland. So not only do we share the name, uh, the land of Mary, but our actual relations, people-to-people relations, go back now more than 100 years. More about the partnership in a few moments, but first, Estonia itself. It may be one of the smallest countries in the world, but it's the world's most technologically advanced nation. It's also America's most critical ally in Eastern Europe, and it is also on the front lines of U.S. activities when it comes to Russia. Visiting Estonia recently, it became clear The last 100 years of Estonian history has been up and down. A free, prospering country that was rocked by the dark trauma of World War II survived, only to be occupied by next-door neighbor Russia. After the Cold War ended, it began another period of optimism, only to be brought to its knees by a vicious Russian government-sponsored cyber attack. But Estonia? Ever the resilient country emerged triumphant from yet another gloomy chapter to once again plot a course toward freedom and prosperity. This time, it's seeking not to keep up with the world, but to become a world leader. And the first order of business has been putting Estonia first. To understand how Estonia is going about this, I had the chance to sit down with Undersecretary for Political Affairs, Paul Tizalu. He works in the Foreign Ministry of Estonia and he talked about their mission and their relationship with the U.S. American foreign policy these days uh, is a very forceful one. It is clear that the America first foreign policy uh, has brought already uh, forceful points that have been made on the world stage by by the U.S. government. Uh, That is also pushing the others to react to that, and, uh, and we try to see where are the synergies because we always would like to uh, to work hand in hand with our, our allies is this uh, reaction a good one that you've seen to the america first or certainly the shift in american foreign policy we have entered into the to stage of of great power competition more clearly than than earlier and uh, that is having its clear aims, of course, to uh, to safeguard the American interest when we speak about the America first uh, foreign policy. As regards to us, then, 
we feel that it's very important to to uphold this kind of transatlantic alignment mm-hmm. that uh, we will take care of each other's interests and uh, and concerns as well as to do it in a cooperative manner article 5 article 5 too that's that's just a backbone of of our relationship article 5 for those who don't know is the cornerstone of the north atlantic treaty organization nato and it states that an attack on one member of NATO is an attack on all of its members. But despite its importance, NATO has only invoked Article 5 once in its history, throughout all of the tragic disasters that have taken place since NATO started. The only time was on September 11, 2001. That's when the U.S. was attacked by Osama bin Laden's Al-Qaeda organization. Estonia was not a member of NATO at that time. It joined NATO on the 29th of March, 2004, along with Bulgaria, Latvia, Lithuania, Romania, Slovakia, and Slovenia. And since that time, Estonia and the U.S. have been hand in glove when it comes to difficult security problems. And perhaps none has been more significant than cyber. As I promised a few moments ago, we'd get into more of the partnership between Estonia and the U.S., Here's where we do that. Brigadier General Maria Bianc, the J-6 for the U.S. European Command and also director of the Joint Cyber Center, explains just how closely they work together. Yeah, they're, uh, they're a great partner. They, they certainly have been on the front lines for a while. I think uh, one of the, the key things um, from our perspective at UCOM is the state partnership program uh, with, the, with, with Maryland. Uh, and it's just one of four pillars, the state partnership program, how we get after, uh, you know, collaboration here uh, in the European theater. Uh, but it's an important pillar. And um, what's fascinating about the uh, state partnership uh, with the Maryland National Guard uh, is that it's uh, been in existence about 25 years. Uh, so a very long term, enduring partnership Uh from uh, our perspective, uh, in specifically for the, the Joint Cyber Center, it, it's the cyber piece of this. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, they have, uh, the, the, the Maryland National Guard has worked extremely hard uh, with, in conjunction with UCOM and our priorities um, to ensure that um, this area, and it's Estonia as well as the, the, the Adriatic Five, as we call them, Albania, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Kosovo, uh, North Macedonia, and uh, Montenegro, um, has been a real leader. The U.S. and Estonia have heavily invested in their relationship, both politically and militarily. The militaries spend lots of time training together. In fact, in the last year, there have been over 50 military-to-military engagements scheduled between the Maryland National Guard and the Estonian Defense Force. And Captain Ben Hughes, coordinator of the State Partnership Program for the Maryland National Guard, says we're able to form long-term professional and personal relationships with our counterparts, and they work together for years. And in this particular situation, the partnership goes far beyond capacity building, interoperability, and security cooperation. They're friendships that have developed through their shared experiences. Friendships that are expected to last indefinitely. Coming up in our next episode... Cybercrime is the game changer. That's Will Van Gammert, 
He's the Deputy Executive Director of Operations at Europol. And he says cybercrime is a big problem that's getting bigger. It has been and it is still the game changer in this field. It has a global effect. It's speedy. And the impact is very strongly towards uh, organizations or people. So we see a strong development in there. And, and in, in the past, you could make a difference between, let's say, a script kitty, a hacker, state-sponsored activities. But that picture is not there anymore. That's a difficult situation. There are others that are equally as difficult, including terrorism. We have two security risks still. Those foreign fighters that, that uh, already have returned or will return in the future because of the, the situation in the conflict zone. And the radicalization uh, in, in our countries itself for people that feel motivated or, or supported by the activities. And he'll also talk about their relationship with the U.S. Coming up in our next edition. Thanks, as always, for allowing us to spend some time with you. If you have any questions or comments or suggestions, send me an email at jgreen at wtop.com. That's the letter J, the color green, one word, at whiskeytangooscarpapa.com. That's WTOP. That's jgreen at wtop.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at TUSA podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha podcast. And don't forget to check out our new newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff. And it's all about the national security news that's going on around us every day. Stuff that you might not hear me reporting on, but that is very important as well. You can find it by going to WTOP.com slash alerts and sign up. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Target USA. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. It was a crime no one expected, and one many can't forget. 22 Hours, an American Nightmare. A new podcast from WTOP News and Podcast One details the heinous murders of a D.C. power couple, their 10-year-old son, and housekeeper inside their own home. The chilling messages from the victims being held hostage. Hey, Nelly, it's Baba. The complicated trail of evidence and shocking moments from the trial. She thinks she knows how Darren Wink got inside the house. His defense team drops a bombshell. Will this investigation lead to the release of confidential audio recordings from the case? So it's under general counsel review. I mean, I'm committing to making a transparent court. 22 Hours, an American Nightmare. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts today. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.